we are live. So, uh, hello everyone. So, uh, let me start uh, by introducing our today's guest. So, our today's guest is Naomi Timperley. So, Naomi is a freelance growth and innovation consultant, project director of uh, Freelance Her 100, co-founder at Tech North Advocates, board member at Future Everything, advisory board at the University of Salford, and so much more. So uh, welcome, Naomi. Welcome to Investor Ready Live Show. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Uh, right. So where would we start, Naomi? Um, where do you want to start? From the beginning? I'd like, I think, so a lot of people in the audience are the people that we know, and mm-hmm. uh, some are new to us. But uh, I think it would be great if we can share something about your background and how you arrived at being uh, a growth consultant, an innovation mm-hmm. consultant. Like, wh- where did it start and when? Okay, so my um, first two careers uh, were in the travel industry and tech recruitment for my sense. I did tech recruitment in the um, late 90s. Um, previously, I worked seven years in the travel industry and then... Um, I had moved from the south of England to the north of England uh, during that period. Um, and I then worked in recruitment for about two, two, year, two three years with a, a tech recruiter called Rulion. And yeah, it was about three years, actually. Uh, started off as a resort, uh, resources, ended up as an account manager and then left and helped set up a travel, uh, Manchester Arm of Travel Recruitment Company called CNM. And then I took four years out to have my daughters. Uh, mm-hmm. My mum always said to me, if you can afford to um, take some time out uh, when you have your kids. And at the time, mm-hmm. we could. So I did. And then um, during that period, um, the sort of tail end of it, I, I came across um, an American events company whilst researching party ideas with my daughter. Um, and it was exactly what it says on the can. It was called Baby Loves Disco. And it was in 27 cities across America, and it looked amazing. And um, I, I basically got in touch with them and asked them if they thought about bringing it to the UK. Um, they had tried to. Somebody who was a Sky News TV presenter um, had um, been to one of their events and um, didn't go with their brand. She just basically copied something else um, and failed miserably. Um, and I basically said, look, I'll bring your brand over. And they said, well, if you want to do it, you've got to do it in London and Manchester. Um, and I, I did. Uh, this was in September 2007 we launched. Uh, within two years, we were in nine cities across the UK. We had a TV advertised album with Universal, mm. um, sponsorship and licensing deals. Um, and in the winter of um, 2008, I got hounded by the BBC to do Dragon's Den. Wow. And um, I hadn't never thought about applying for the show. And um, I, I basically persuaded my American business partner to, to do it with me. Um, and we filmed it in, I think it was uh, April 2008, and it was televised in September 2008. Um, we literally had one night to practice it, <laughs> practice our pitch. We'd sort of done it um, via Skype. 
Um, and yeah, we got offered investment, but turned it down because they wanted too much equity. And then I started on an, an, a, another path. I started getting involved with women's entrepreneurship and youth entrepreneurship. And I came away from the events business. So I sold my shares to our Scottish host mum. Um, and I set up a youth enterprise and employability company with two guys that I met on Twitter, as you do, um, to bridge the gap between education, employment and enterprise and really get that entrepreneurial mindset into to young people. Um, did that for about three years and then since then I have uh, been working independently either directly with businesses or working on various different um, entrepreneurship and startup growth programs so that's pretty much how I got to where I am now um, I've done lots of different things uh, in you know within that and, and learned my craft and you know, I am very proud to be connected to some of the best entrepreneurship educators in the world. Um, and um, I would say 60% of my time now is spent delivering and developing uh, programs for either universities or the private sector to the public sector. Um, and the other 40% of my time is spent working um, predominantly with businesses mm -hmm. that want to grow. Um, and I'm very, very lucky that I, I, I get to do what I love. Oh, I, I love it. I love it. I mean, it's quite a journey. It's like... A... It, it, it is. And I've sort of fallen into working predominantly with tech businesses. So um, that's how the sort of tech North advocates things come about, um, the computer weekly stuff. Um, so, yeah, it, it's mostly been with tech businesses, but I have also worked with quite a lot of um, creative digital businesses as well. Mm. So, uh, like, I, I was just taking some notes because uh, that's that's really interesting. And like, bringing a business to the UK, it's it's like the the, the one you described uh, was uh, was quite uh, quite an undertaking, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, I had initial conversations with them. I think in um, the December of two thousand and six. And we didn't launch it until September 2007. Because one thing I did do is I did a huge amount of research um, and making sure that we did it in the right places, as, as in location-wise. So in London, for example, we had our events. Like the model was you would take over a, a nightclub or music venue in the day at the weekend. So we did our events at the Clapham Grand in uh, Clapham, which is right around the corner from... Uh, Battersea, which is called uh, Nappy Valley, uh, because it has the highest proportion of young professional uh, families uh, in London um, yeah. who have disposable income. So, right. you know, it was perfect for us there. You know, Manchester, it took us a while to get the right venue, but London, we, we nailed it straight away. Um, and, you know, that's where, that's, I think, really where the the, the the PR explosion went so one thing I did invest we had a very very short small marketing budget but we did invest in PR um, and we we managed to find these two amazing women called um, Sandra and Bridget and Sandra had been a marketing manager at Universal Music before she'd had kids mm -hmm. and um, she lived on the same street as Bridget and Bridget had come over to the UK as a songwriter. She used to be in a platinum-selling punk band who toured with the Ramones and Marilyn Manson. 
and um, her uh, Sandra and Bridget set up a PR agency specifically around music, but for young people. Um, so before we even launched, we had a two two page spread in the Saturday Times Knowledge Supplement. So I went from being like a stay-at-home mum to doing interviews with the Times, and it just completely blew my mind. And it's it's just been like a roller coaster ever since. But you know, one thing I have done is I've, I've taken every opportunity that's that's um, been put in front of me, even though most of them have absolutely terrified me, as this is terrifying me. <laughs> um, I I have sort of you know taken on board, and I've learned from some really really incredible mm. people. I, I'm very lucky that I've built. A fantastic network, um, not only in the northwest but but nationally and internationally, um, and it, and it's something um, that I, I pride myself on is that is is the relationships that I have with people. Right. Of me in good stead in because when when I started my business, I went to um, I remember um, going to my local business support person. Um, I think at the time it was called Business Link and um, the guy was an ex-bank manager and he said, you know, come to the office and, you know, bring some of your stuff and tell us, you know, how you're getting on. So I came, this was like in, I think, the the March and I brought in all these press cuttings and all this stuff that we'd done and he was like, oh, you don't need any help from us. It looks like you're doing a pretty good job yourself. So anyway, went along my merry way. And then they contacted me about two weeks later and said to me, we're doing this um, tour around Greater Manchester in in a bus that's going to be branded and we're going to have flyers. And could we do a flyer and pretend that we helped you? And I was like, yeah, because they're going to go out and do free advertising for me. Mm. So there was loads of things that I did like that. So I took opportunities where I could do, you know, I did quite a few contra deals. Um, I, I certainly... Um, you know, certainly with, with a lot of the, the businesses that, that I've worked with and, and, and taught, you know, partnerships is something that I learn um, through that phase because really good partnerships, getting people to sell your stuff is, 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 is a great way of growing. Great. So I, yeah. Well, uh, Naomi, I'm going to have a few questions for okay, you. Okay, go for it. Uh, and uh, because they, they like, we both operate in the startup ecosystem right now. And uh, very often businesses come our way and they will be like, okay, I have an idea. And, uh, or I have like an MVP or like really early days. And uh, how, how, how did the campaign you describe from a PR and marketing and uh, the beauty of like planning it out and going to strategic cities and planning partnerships and building that network to really expand and like explode uh, the, the growth of the business. Like what would be your recommendation for like a small business that's just starting out and they need some initial traction with what they do? Okay. And it's, it's like likely to be like a tech business. Mm-hmm. So, so before we'd even have that chat, the first thing I'd, I'd, I'd say, I'm a massive fan um, of business model canvases and value proposition. So the first thing I'm going to be saying is, okay, show me your business model canvas. If they haven't done one, we'll do one. Because in those, in the business model canvas, 
Um, you, you've obviously got the left hand, the central part, which is the is the value proposition. So everything on the left hand is what's happening uh, behind the scenes, um, and then on the right side is is all the information that you've got about you know how you're going to reach customers yeah. and what you know about your customers. And that would be my first question: is is really do they know the market that they're going into, and how well do they know the customers? Because I don't believe that you can market unless you know who your customers are and where you're going to find them. Absolutely. But, yeah. but within, within the sort of back, the back left-hand side of the, of the, the business model canvas is, is partnerships. And, and again, really sort of thinking, even at that very early stage, is if I was going to be working with um, somebody who's going to help me deliver my value proposition, and that might be um, that you, you, that's, that's somebody who's going to refer work to you. It, it might be somebody who's actually going to help you build the thing. Um, that's a really key component. Um, and I, I think, you know, really knowing, um, so one of the things, if we go back to sort of the, 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 the events business that I had, um, every time I went to a new city, I would research that city and I would find, so I, I wouldn't go to a, a city unless I had somebody who'd contacted me begging me to go to their city and, and saying to me that they wanted to run the events because I couldn't run the events in nine cities across the UK. I could mm. barely do two. So I had people on the ground. Um, and then also like one of the other genius things that we did in the cities that had it. So um, Heart FM, um, their listeners were the, the people that would come to our events. So we uh, did a contra deal with Heart FM, for example, and they would do flowering for us, shout outs on the radio. They would, uh, we had DJs and various other different things. Another one, which was organic snacks, uh, which are healthy snacks for kids. Again, we were on their website, they were on ours. So it, it was like people, when they saw sort of a flyer or something, because at this time, this was like, you know, 14 years ago, we were still using flyers then. Um, mm. So, you know, they could see that the brand alliance was uh, that, that made them feel safe because they were um, going to an event that was supported by brands that they respected uh, and wanted. And, and I think, you know, just going back to your, your original question, I think there's a lot of work that you need to do before you can you can dive straight in and say, right, OK, I want to I want to go, you know, and market this, this uh, and get some traction. But I would I would say for me. Um, that initial quick win traction is finding um, the right partners on board. We finished on like uh, discussing like how you run the campaign and uh, we, we spoke about the value model canvas mm. and uh, how, we, how, how we, before even thinking about going out there and marketing our product, yeah. how we first need to map this out. Yeah, and 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 actually, that's that's something that um, I did a uh, or attempted to do a master's at uh, MMU in digital marketing communications because um, it's something that that I was very interested in, um, and and it's it's again you know that was something that they instilled in us um, because again if you don't know who your customers are, how can you market to them? And, and that's one thing that I mm. see a lot with a lot of startups that they really have no clue. They don't yeah. have enough information or because they haven't done so enough market research. And, and I, I work on a, a couple of um, entrepreneurship programs, in, one in particular with uh, Queen's University. Um, and what they do is um, they get the entrepreneurs on their program to do digital testing. 
So um, and when I say digital testing, that's like setting up, you know, before you've even launched, setting up a, a, um, a page, a launch page, um, and having, um, you know, survey questions on there and actually having in-depth conversations with people who you would like to be your customers. And really, you know, everyone thinks they've got a great idea. Um, and what this does is it tests your hypothesis and your assumptions. And I think it's a really good exercise to do, especially for, for early stage startups. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. It's like, and it's, it's, go, it's going not only for your potential clients, but also as you fundraise, if you're mm. like really clear with your message, what you do, how you're doing yeah. it and the product, it's like really clear and understandable, yeah. relatable, then yeah, your, 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 your path to investment, it's so much easier than. Absolutely. Uh, but uh yeah, so maybe like uh, if you, I'm just thinking like what would be of value to our audience, Naomi, and I don't want to ask too hard questions, uh, but uh, like if you think about communication for your product, mm-hmm. like what would be like three key items that you would suggest people to look at? I think it's really important to be able to um, articulate um, what problem you're solving, um, what your value proposition is um and what what the market is um so you know i think when you're talking to um investors um you need to paint a picture of what could be um and you know i think that you know the from the first two slides like i saw a brilliant pitch deck today um first slide you know exactly what it is Mm. i loved it I loved every single part of the, of the thing. The, the only comment I had about it is that I thought they weren't asking for enough money. Um, right. But, you know, I think just to give you a bit of context here, Arthur, I, I've probably seen a good two, 3,000 pitch decks. Um, I've, I've judged various different competitions and seen loads of um, live pitches. Um, and to me... Um, the, the the ones um, that the the best are the ones that, that actually get li- very little uh, questions. Um, probably the worst one I saw was um, a number of years ago, and it was by a, a marketing um, director, an ex marketing director of a, a really big global car company, and he'd been a global marketing director. So you think he'd be brilliant at this, mm. and um, he pitched his business idea. And it was a 10-minute pitch, and absolutely nobody in the room had a clue what he was talking about. <laughs> because you know he, what? He, he couldn't articulate. So I think I think always the simpler the better. Mm. Um, so keep it simple. Um, you know, obviously, um, the, the way that, that pitching is, is happening at the moment mm. is mostly online. So actually, it's, it's sometimes easier to do it online, isn't it? Um, but I th- certainly think that there's, there's things that you should concentrate and you should be able to articulate. So I'll throw another thing in as well. So I've got a fourth thing is you, you should be able to articulate who your customers are. Mm. Um, and if you can't, there's a problem. Okay. So I have a question for you. And that's like, because I, I, I very often come across like a business and I see that at the core, there is something really special about it. Mm-hmm. And then, what I'm what I'm saying is that the founders are very fixed, yeah, on on the vision they have, mm-hmm. and uh, the vision could be like touching on multiple verticals, like yeah. it could be like a, a master plan, but they like this like focus on a single thing 
which mm-hmm. is like driving maybe 80% of the results. Uh, so uh, when you speak with founders, how do you direct them to focus on this one thing that's like easy to understand and they keep things simple that way? It's very difficult. Um, it depends on, um, you know, if you've got, I'll give you another example. So uh, there's one particular founder that I've had quite a few conversations with and he believes that his product is for a particular age range. Mm. Um, and I have, um, I, I suggested to him, you know, do you, is, why, where have you got that information from to, for you to come to the conclusion that that age group is your customer? Um, so I persuaded him um, to do some focus groups uh, and, and actually to test that, that hypothesis that actually the age group that he thought was correct. Mm. And it wasn't, but he's still going with it. <laughs> Sometimes mm. you can't yeah. because people are so fixated. And then there's also that whole thing around, you know, a, a founder isn't always necessarily the right person to run the business. And I think there's one more thing about it that very often what I see people raise the finance mm. and they run with the product too early like they, the validation of this of yeah. the audience it's a scary part if you haven't yes. done it at yeah. the beginning because once you have an MVP and then you start validating your product it's already mm-hmm. too late yeah um, yeah so it, 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 it's a hard decision to make if, 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 if you fail to well, this, early on. Is, this is why I love the process of doing digital testing is mm. because, and I'm, I've done it with, um, I'm working with a, a music AI product at the moment. So I've literally just come off a call with him. Um, and um, he has a product that has two different markets. So um, I've introduced him because I've seen the way my brain works. I can sort of see obvious connections about how a as product or service can work with somebody else's product or service. Um, and um, within, um, you know, within that, that um, conversation, um, it, it was very clear that actually um, the, the person who has the, has the music AI, he, he has a completely brand new market that he hasn't even thought about. Um, mm. But it's, test, it's testing his assumptions and you can't do that unless you have conversations. Um, okay. So, you know, I've, I've got a friend of mine who um, has a diversity inclusion business. And before she even launched the business, she had uh, conversations with about 20 people that look after diversity and inclusion within the, within the businesses that they work in or have a responsibility around that. Um, mm. Because she wanted to see whether she was on the right track and to see whether they would pay for something that she had that she was going to offer. And I think even like really simple, the more conversations you have, but I also meet um, a lot of founders who are absolutely terrified about having conversations. Um, And I I tested this theory actually um, with an ex-colleague of mine at Made Festival in Sheffield a number of years ago. Um, And it was about the power of conversations. And um, what we did is um, we got, we picked on one particular person. When I say picked on, we just chose one particular person, asked asked them what they did. And they had a business that was related to cars. And then um, that conversation, it was in this really, I just remember, obviously pre-COVID, it was in a very crowded room. And just very, very quickly, within literally five minutes, 
we join the dots with this car person and a caravan person, an insurance person, and about five other connections about how they could potentially mm. work with this particular person. And, and that wouldn't have happened unless we'd have instigated that that conversation. Do you understand what I mean? So it, yeah. it's it's I think some founders are too terrified to talk to people because they think someone's going to steal their idea. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, you've also got, uh, obviously it's, if, if you're talking about intellectual property, that's a, a no, no, but if it's just about an idea and the concept of what it is, I think those conversations are very, very healthy. So I have a question for you then, Naomi, because mm-hmm. like you touched on a lot of interesting points here. Uh, and, one of the, like, we both run projects, right? And mm-hmm. when we run projects by a committee, like you involve people to help mm-hmm. you run the project, how do you filter the information that something is of value for you and something's not? Like, how do you filter good feedback with a bad feedback? How do you know something? Like, yeah, how, how do you go about it? So, again, this goes back to doing your research and doing your homework. Um, the mm. amount of founders that I meet that do not do good quality research astounds me um, because they they assume that their idea is a fantastic idea and it's going to make them lots and lots of money. Um, so I think, I think, you know, you have to, as an individual, um, have to use your, your, your filter um, and a lot of it go. It, it, I will say sometimes you've got to go with your gut as well. If you think it, it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. Um, but I think it's just about. Let's just say, for example, Arthur, um, I give you some feedback on something, and I say to you, "Well, actually, I think that these are your type of customers." Mm. And you know, very similar to what I said to you before about the the, um, the founder that I'd been working with. Um, you have to go and test out whether what I'm saying is right, because you can't mm. take everything on face value. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a responsibility of you as your founder. You can't, you can't, not everyone's right. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I get, get it all the time. And the way I used to filter this information, it's like I have a client base. So mm. by a client, I see someone who's willing to pay and it's willing to sign up early on. Mm-hmm. So I, always try to make a sell like as soon as possible if someone is willing to part with 10 pounds of their money like whatever is the subscription model uh then it's or like a few hundred pounds like or a few thousands whatever it is but if someone is willing to pay and commit then that's the client uh in my view mm-hmm. and uh when it comes to ad- advisory on product direction i always look for people who already did what I'm planning yeah. to do in a specific field. And that's the feedback I really respect because it's so hard to get. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's why it's so important to have um, really good people in your network. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. certainly with me, um, I've got trusted advisors that I can go to that at the end of the phone or I can send a WhatsApp um, and, and ask. And I can ju- I've just seen Debbie's question in. So um, where do you stop or start um, if your founder's mind you see an opportunity to completely disrupt or append industry thinking so just debbie i don't know whether you can just um just rephrase that question because i'm not sure i understand what you're saying or are you saying um are you saying this as an investor or as as a founder i don't know whether you can um 
rephrase that question um, because I probably got two different answers. Because obviously, you yeah. know, this, this as an, an investor, um, I, I think um, if, if they've gone completely off track, um, as a founder, we have the base product, but it has the potential to dis disrupt. Well, that's that's good. But again, this is all about testing your assumptions, um, Debbie. Um, so I would say, um, as an investor, what do you want to hear? The smaller, the big picture. As an investor, I'm not an investor, but I work with lots of investors. I think investors want to see the big picture. So they, they want mm -hmm. to see, um, you know, really what that roadmap looks like, what it could be. Um, but you also have to think about, um, you know, if, let's just say you were raising 250K. Um, realistically, in that big picture, where can that 250K get you to? Because that's something else that an, an investor would want to know. Um, and then they'll also perhaps want to know, once you've had that round of investment, are, are, are you going to use to need another round of investment or are you going to be able to actually then start commercializing your product or service? So, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of, of bootstrappers. So people, so I was on the, the, the person that had the, the brilliant pitch this morning, they bootstrapped um, their business and they've now got the point where they've actually got and they've tested an MVP um, and they have um, been able to get some, you know, only small, but a small amount of, of customers. Um, so they, they've almost validated exactly what their, their, their idea was because they've done that digital testing already and they bootstrapped it. Um, so, but I do think, you know, investors want to see what that big picture looks like. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, Arthur, I don't know whether you would agree with that, but certainly um, I, I think when I'm looking at pictures, it's, it's, it's yeah. almost like what it could be. Yeah, I mean, fr from my experience, it's always painting the big picture, but also keeping it simple. Yeah. So small, it's small in terms of the message. It needs to be very concise. And uh, some examples I can think of, it's like people very often would develop a platform that does mm -hmm. multiple things, but yeah. really what gets people on the platform is this one one thing yeah one thing and uh and everything else it's like an add-on and it's i think important to stay focused especially early on when the finance it's quite yeah. limited and yeah uh, yeah uh but i think the message and how you market and then like what you said naomi about knowing your audience and doing the customer research because then what i'm saying when you create your message, your marketing, you pretty much use your customers' words. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But also, about, it's, it's, it, going back to that customer research, it's also where you find your customers. You know, mm. it, you, you, you make, an, 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 a, I see mistakes like this all the time. So, you know, somebody will release a, a product and they think that their customers are on Facebook, for example, yeah. and they're not. And then it's like, okay, you just wasted a load of money on Facebook advertising. That's not where your customers are. Mm. So, you know, I, I think it's really important to do really deep research and you actually know everything about the type of customers. You, and it, you're not going to have just one type of customer. You might have two, three or four different types of customers. But actually, mm. you know so much about them that you know exactly how they want to be sold to. Mm. And you know what, Naomi? I, might, I recently discovered this really interesting platform uh, which was founded by... Uh, uh, the CEO of Moss.com, 
And uh, what, what the platform he came up with, it's called Sparked, SparkToro. I'm going to write this in chat so people can go. And what it is, is it allows you to see where your audience is. So yeah. you just type one, you type uh, a, a specific subject, like whatever it is, and mm -hmm. you see all the social channels around the world, like and yeah. forums, websites, and this would be your then target platforms to yeah. go and advertise because uh, you, you can measure and like it, it makes life so much easier. Uh, and there are loads of really brilliant tools out there for people to yeah. use. You know, I, I like, especially on the sort of question side of things, I love um, Answer the Public. Um, I think it's called Answer the Public. I'll, I'll share that one as well. But it's it's brilliant. Yeah, it is Answer the Public. So you, you basically... You put in like um, one or two words and you basically, it discovers what people are asking about the particular subject. So, you know, mm. for example, um, if you put in, um, let me put it in the chat, my, mine in the chat, it's, it's a, a tool that I really like actually. Um, okay. Oh, okay. I don't know, I even know how to answer, I'll put, put this in the chat. I've never used uh, this platform before. <laughs> we, all, we all learn here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just, I, th I think, um, let me see if I, I think I've got it. I think I've worked it out. Hold on. Let's you can type it to me works. on private. Yeah. All right. I put, it, I put it on private and, and you can copy it in. But it's, 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 um, it's something that, that I, I really like um, and that I've used um, a few different times. Um, so, Debbie, you've put interesting when you serve three to four different types of companies. We have three advertisers. But marketing branders say you can only target one. That's a load of bollocks. Uh, what advice would you have uh, for, sorry, sorry that I just said load of bollocks, but it is. What advice would you have to, for focus at bootstrap level? So, so actually, really, really good marketeers will know that you have three different, at least two to three different types of customers. The, one of the best people that I know um, is an inbound marketeer called Leanne Grimshaw. And inbound marketing um, is, is a real specialism. And what she is so hot on this knowing who your customers So doing buyer personas. And she is an expert in her field. And, and I would say any really good marketeers would know that you're going to have at least three um, different types of customers. Um, and when I say three different types of customers, so for example, Debbie, a, another thing that um, I really loved um, using is, and again, this is like the um, Alex uh, Osterwalder books. So with the value proposition design, um, it's being able to sort of say, okay, um, this particular person, so let's just say Arthur, this is Arthur's problem and your product helps Arthur's, uh, Arthur's problem with A, B, and C. So you're, you're relieving his pain points, so to speak. And then uh, the other type of customer, so let's just say Debbie, Debbie has these types of problems, and your product or service helps Debbie with these types of problems. So those two different customers, straight away, you've got um, different people with different problems, because not everybody has the same problems. Um, and you've also then got, um, it might be that Arthur uses certain platforms and wants to be advertised into a certain way, and Debbie does. So straight away, you know, for any marketeer that says, you, says to you that you can only uh, target one is, 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 is completely false. And I've seen, um, I've got a, a, an old friend who used to work for 
a brilliant marketing agency called uh, McCann. And um, I've done a lot of uh, work with schools around entrepreneurship. And she came into uh, a, a senior school in Withenshaw um, to do a workshop for me. And she was getting kids to do this. So what she did is she gave, gave them all different, different products. So there was somebody who had a banana, somebody who had a toy, somebody had, had a book, somebody had different things. And they had like, you know, like three bananas, three toys, and then say three books. And then what, what she would do is she would give them a card and she would say, this is the buyer persona that you've got to sell this to. So we've done this with kids. And what they would say is, right, with this particular toy, um, the target market is uh, a 10-year-old um, because a 10-year-old wants to buy the toy. But actually, you've also got the parent. Obviously, the parent's making the buying decision about buying that toy, but the kid is, is actually you're advertising to the child and the parent and, and actually you're advertising to them in, in, in different ways. So really good marketers know that you don't always have one target market. And I'll have, I'll have big rows with anyone that says that. <laughs> I think what it could be, Naomi, what it could be, it's the resources. So each persona, it's a, another message, another visual package and like... It, it is, it is yeah. Arthur, but you don't, we don't all have... We don't all have one type of customer. It, it's something yeah. that you've got to, you've got to you've got to build in, and and certainly you know um, with um, you know when you're um, again pitching to investors, they want to know who your customers are and where you're going to find them. And you know any really good one uh, again will not just have one one type of customer. You never do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Naomi, that was brilliant. Thank you for sharing this advice on. Uh, you know how how to how to get this product out there and uh, how to how to shape your canvas how to go about uh, building uh, uh, customer profiles and I think it's really important to understand that there's like more than one client you have and I know that there are people in the audience that like they like some of my clients in this audience right now and get this book go. get this book it's brilliant that book. And I'm really sad that I've got all of the books. Sorry. Um, you've also got this one, which is in the same um, vein. And it's about testing business ideas. And it's got loads of hints and tips on there. But again, you know, Arthur, if you get all of this really, really right, um, it's actually easy to, easy to market it. Mm. And actually, cost-wise, because you really know... Um, you 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 know who the um, who the customers are. It's, it's actually the, the cost is actually probably less. Um, if you just give me one one second, I will give you the author's name um, uh, because those books are literally. I think um, they're like strategy, strategy, right? Yeah, well, it's it's, a, it's actually uh, a Alex Osterwalder who's the um, the guy that wrote the books. But if you just give me one second. He, he's the guy behind Strategizer. So, yeah, if you just go to the Strategizer website, um, which Arthur's already put in, it's got all of the books in there. Um, and they even have um, not these particular uh, uh, company, but there is, if you Google, if you've got a social enterprise, for example, if you put in business model canvas social enterprise, it will give you a slightly different version where you'll also look at impact and things like that. Great. Great. Naomi, we have last 15 minutes of this live show. So I really wanted to touch with you on one more subject today. Okay. So uh, right now, 
we have a strategy. We know how to go. We, we spoke mm -hmm. with our audience. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, our customer profiles. We know how to market to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, with all this simplified message in our uh, investment collateral, mm -hmm. how do we now go and outreach to investors, assuming that you know we're just starting out? It's a completely new world to us. Yeah. And where would I even start? Okay, so... Um, to, to, for a start, um, my first port of call would be um, your local business support. So um, I, obviously I don't know where everyone in the audience is, but let's just say um, the Business Growth Hub, for example. So the Business Growth Hub have something called um, GC Angels that can help people get investment. You also then have um, other angel networks. Um, so I think one thing that's actually definitely worth doing, and again, this is a research piece, is um, looking, uh, so you've obviously got Tech Nation, for example. They've got um, investor links. Um, you've also got things like your local business school who will also have investor links. Um, and I think it's it's also worth looking um, at um, regional um, investor reports. So, for example, um, Brabner's and Whitecap Consulting um, recently did uh, an excellent report on funding in the Northwest, for example. Um, so in that report, it gives you um, real life examples. It gives you examples on the investor side of things. So what they, they, these mm. investors are looking for, because, again, I think that's another thing as well is, yes, knowing your invest your customers, but you also need to know who your investors are. Because I'll give you an example. So the guy that I uh, co-founded Tech North Advocates with, um, he is a VC, but he only invests in deep tech. So deep tech, for example, I'll share the report with you. If you just give me um, one second, I'll share it with you. So I think it's, it's important to find out um, the investors that you're perhaps um, getting in touch with um, is is that you you're actually sort of saying okay um, you know I know that this particular person likes investing in e-commerce businesses for example um, so I, I think that there's lots of there's lots of I think this is this is all really about um, going out to your ecosystem um, and and actually when when I say ecosystem um, you know um, yeah so Debbie for example you've just said about Barclays Eagle Labs. Um, there are, um, you know, loads of different, it's just about having conversations. Um, and I think also as well, it's, it's making sure that you're on um, the radar of investors. So another thing, for example, um, you know, one thing that is really um, a lot of people dismiss is, is they don't talk to friends and family about what they're doing. You never know who somebody else knows. So don't, don't think that you shouldn't tell friends and family. Um, I think another thing uh, which is really excellent is is participating in in um, competitions. Um, so, you know, like L L Marks, for example, they're all always doing um, different innovation competitions, and it might be that you have a particular product or service that fits in with a particular innovation competition. Um, participating in incubators so uh you know i, I do some work with um hosts who have um a, a program called host 50 that's starting so there'll be opportunities there um to engage with um investors through the networks and partners that hosts have 
Um, looking for private investors, again, I think that that's, that's something that you'll get through, um, you know, investor networks. You've obviously got angel investors. There's angel investors all over the country. Um, there's, there's a number of VCs, um, you know, well, there's loads of them. But again, it's really being able to say, okay, like if I'm looking for a VC, what type of VC would I like, like, want to go to? Uh, and actually, um, are they, do they fit in with um, the values of, of, of my business? Um, do they invest in the type of, of businesses that I have? Um, but it, it's really about you doing your homework. It's, it's not an easy process by any means. Um, and actually, what you also have to appreciate is that you're going to have to have a lot of patience because these people are getting um, pitch decks in their faces 24-7. So you've got to work out how yours is going to stand out. Um, mm. And that's a completely different conversation. Um, but, you know, I don't know whether, you know, any of you have the, have seen the Bravness report, for example. It, it's really good. Tech Nation have loads of information. And Tech Nation are a government-funded um, organization. So it's in their interest to help you as is, um, you know, the, the, the Business Growth Hub, for example, they get their funding from central government uh, or ERDF. So, again, it's just making sure. Um, Debbie, you just put in here, is it just about money for them? Uh, where have you seen the most successful partnerships come from on values outside of money? Uh, it's not just about money, Debbie. Um, I think it's, when, when I say values, um, <sighs> I think this is um, on your part as somebody who's looked perhaps as a founder. I've heard some horrific stories um, about people getting really bad deals that they can't get out of. Um, and I, I think that's uh, another thing that's worth doing mm. is actually having conversations with founders who have successfully got investment and what their experience was. Um, and yes, you know, obviously they want a return on investment. But you also have um, some particular um, VCs. So I'll give you an example. So um, um, Samos um, is an investment a VC house in, in London that a friend of mine's an investor, uh, investor on. Um, so she's particularly uh, looking at investing in female um, and um, diverse groups. So, you know, I, I do think that the, the, the landscape is changing you also have, um, again, for any women that are listening, any, any women in the north that are listening today, um, there is something called Fund Her North that's just been started. Um, I don't know too much about it, but certainly um, I'll share with um, Alex the, um, the website for that. They have, for example, um, a in September... Um, They've got something, uh, a pitch day. So I think another thing as well, which you can also get information on, it, and you can do this, you can even do this on Eventbrite uh, and also on meetups, is, is actually see if there's any groups in your area or any uh, events that are coming up where you get the opportunity to pitch. Because another thing as well is the more you pitch, the more that you're going to refine your pitch and you're going to get feedback on your pitch. Yeah. And it might be that you use some of the competitions or some of the smaller competitions or perhaps university things um, as, as a platform to actually just test your pitch um, and see whether it works. Uh, I, I hope that helps. <laughs> I'm going to share the Fund Her North, actually, um, 
a website. I know that they've got a pitch day coming up, I think, on the 13th of um, September. But there are loads and loads of uh, groups. It's just about you doing your homework. But I do think it's a really good idea to speak to founders that have had investment, especially ones in, in your areas. Um, you know, again, in the Bradman's report, there's a lot of information around that that you can read and see who's had investment, who hasn't, and what their experiences are. But I have heard some horror stories. So again, you've got to work out who you're going to get into bed with because it is a long-standing relationship. Excellent. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you for that. Uh, I made a list of all the uh, institutions, places, local business support, uh, and all the people that you can talk to to get an investment. So I'm going to share it after this session with everyone. I'm just going to, I'm just going to quickly just come to Debbie's question. So she's got, we, my co-founder is great at pitching, but I have better legs than go to pieces in a pitch. It's great that you've got good legs. Uh, which of us should wear the CEO hat? Do you know what? I don't think it's any, any, anything about, I would, I would say co you're both co-founders. Um, and do you know what, if she's re if that person, whether it's male or female or whatever is, if they're really good at pitching, let them do the pitch. But you might have circumstances when um, you are pitching and actually um, the uh, potential investors will want both of you to perhaps answer questions. So it might be that one of you answers the questions, but the other one does the pitching. Um, but I, I think, you know, going back to that, who should wear the CEO hat, I just say co-founders. Great. Great. Thank you, Naomi. Okay, brilliant. I think, Naomi, we... I arrived at the end of this show. Oh, that went quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we, we are almost 60 minutes in. So thank you so much for your time. And thank you, Debbie. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone in the audience for asking questions. That's, that's been brilliant. And uh, Naomi, thank you so much for your time. It's been brilliant. I've learned a lot. Thank I hope you. our audience learned a lot as well. And yeah, I think we'll start and uh, close down for now so thank you naomi pleasure thank you very much for having me thank you thank you everyone so uh see you next time bye